Chapter Twenty Three of the Crimson Cryptogram by Fergus Hume. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Don W. Jenkins. Chapter Twenty Three: The Beginning of the End. Have you finished locking the drawers, Janet? Asked Hilda impatiently, but Janet did not answer. In a tumult of emotion, she was staring at the red pocketbook there it lay in the drawer carelessly thrust in with loose papers and old letters no attempt had been made to hide it no doubt the drawer was locked and but for hilda's freak would have been opened by no one but its owner schwartz had not thought it necessary to conceal the book more completely at once it flashed into janet's mind that the german had murdered edgar since no one but the murderer could have become possessed of the pocket-book in the meantime hilda uneasy at janet's silence repeated the question i am just locking the last drawer replied janet and swiftly making up her mind to risk the consequences she snatched up the red book and slipped it into her pocket for her sister's sake it was necessary to get this evidence into her possession having accomplished this she locked the drawer restored the keys to their place on the desk and led hilda out of the room towards the blind girl it was necessary to adopt a cheerful demeanour lest she should suspect that something was wrong but janet found this no easy task hilda my dear she said as they returned to the blue sitting-room i have locked the drawers and replaced the keys so mr schwartz will not guess that his desk has been opened if i were you i would not tell him he might be vexed the blind girl pouted she did not like her jest to be passed over in silence papa schwartz is never cross with me janet no but he will be vexed then i shall say nothing i would not vex him for the world he is very good to me almost as good as father you are extremely fond of your father hilda i worship him said the girl with the exaggerated emotion of youth he is the best man in the world oh there is no one like my father privately janet thought that this was just as well as she had no very great opinion of captain garrett but bad as he was she doubted whether he would have committed murder as schwartz had done it was indeed amazing that the german should have become a criminal for although janet knew well that his character was not above reproach yet she had always thought him a good man it was a shock to her to find that she had been so deceived schwartz who had been her good friend and benefactor was a secret assassin janet could not blind herself to that terrible fact now we must have some tea said the unsuspicious hilda under the circumstances it was an ordeal to sit at the table and eat and drink with pretended carelessness but janet bent her strong will to accomplish the purpose of keeping hilda in ignorance the expression on her face the frown in her brow mattered little as hilda was blind but janet carefully controlled her voice so that nothing unusual might be noticed in this she succeeded admirably and deceived hilda so well that when taking her leave the girl had no thought that anything was wrong come again soon dear she said embracing janet warmly you are such a comfort to me self-controlled to the end janet touched hilda's cheek with her lips and took her leave after a few words of farewell delivered in a steady voice but on finding herself alone she felt so anxious and distraught and horrified by her discovery 
that but for the fresh air she would have fainted as it was she did not take the dukesfield bus as usual but worked off her agitation by walking since the discovery of the pocket-book in schwartz's private desk she firmly believed that he was the criminal in the autumn and winter he almost always wore a fur-lined coat over his evening dress and to complete his costume in accordance with the demands of fashion a silk hat then he lived at parkmere and it was easy for him to walk to goethe cottage after committing the murder but janet was puzzled to find a reason for the perpetration of the crime she knew nothing about the forged bill as ellis had not informed her in detail of his interview with busham still janet knew the business-like habits of schwartz too well to think that he did anything without a motive and she could not conjecture that for which he had stained his hands and risked his neck full of these thoughts miss gordon walked all the way to dukesfield no inconsiderable distance and before seeking myrtle villa called on ellis to explain her discovery mrs basket who still believed that janet was mrs moxton received her with the usual show of false kindness but announced that dr ellis was absent no mr Cass is in the sitting-room finished the fat landlady mr Cass will do let me see him harry was rather amazed to receive janet whom he had not seen at all events to speak to since the night of the murder mrs basket announced you as mrs moxton he said with some hesitation but ellis tells me you are miss gordon yes i am miss gordon but there's no need to let that tattling woman know the truth she would only make mischief dr ellis is away just went out ten minutes ago to see a patient i expect him back in an hour i cannot wait said janet feverishly my sister will want me you will do mr cass dr ellis informed me that you knew all about this business i know everything miss gordon anything i can do did dr ellis tell you about the red pocket-book yes you say it was taken from the dead body what of it janet took the book out of her pocket and placed it on the table there it is she said triumphantly all the papers have been taken out of it but that is the pocket-book which the murderer stole from the corpse great heavens how did it come into your possession i found it by chance in the desk of herr schwartz cass started do you mean to say that schwartz is the murderer i do if he is not how could he become possessed of that book it is strong circumstantial evidence certainly said cass after a pause but schwartz it is incredible i always considered him such a good fellow he is he is said janet with emotion he has been a good friend to me i can't conceive him guilty even if he is i do not wish him punished let him write out a confession exonerating my sister that is all i want if he does that he puts the rope around his own neck miss gordon if your sister is to be exonerated and saved from the malignity of busham the confession would have to be made public then what is to be done i cannot say at present if you will leave the pocket-book to me i will speak to ellis and we can come to some decision certainly i will give you the book said janet rising i have every confidence in you and dr ellis thank you would you mind explaining precisely how you came into possession of the pocket-book not at all said janet and she related in a concise manner how hilda's prank with the desk had led to the discovery of the book having given cass all possible information and answered all possible questions janet tired out with her emotions and with the unusual exercise took her leave 
Cass accompanied her to the door and promised to inform her of all that should happen in connection with this new piece of evidence. Somewhat relieved, Janet went home to Myrtle Villa. Immediately on the doctor's return, Cash showed him the pocketbook and repeated Janet's story. Ellis, naturally enough, was as surprised as his friend, and discussed the matter with him at length. Finally, it was decided that Ellis should see Schwartz that same evening and hear what he had to say for himself. Owing to the exigencies of his profession as a critic, Harry could not accompany his friend. The doctor was not sorry, as he thought that he could get more out of Schwartz when alone with him than in the presence of a third person. He did not take the pocket-book with him, lest it should be lost, for Schwartz was a determined man to deal with. As yet, Ellis could hardly credit that he was guilty, and in spite of the damning evidence found by Janet, he postponed, making up his mind until he heard what the German had to say for himself. In this frame of mind, he started for the Merryman Music Hall. Schwartz was in his private room, and as Ellis had purposely arrived rather late, he was at leisure at the time. So effusively did he welcome Ellis that the doctor felt almost ashamed of his errand. But, bracing himself up with the idea that Schwartz, if not the actual criminal, yet knew something about the crime, he managed to appear sufficiently stern. To the German's eager inquiries about Hilda's health and Hilda's eyesight, he gave brief and monosyllabic replies. At last Schwartz was forced to take notice of his visitor's unfriendly attitude. "'What is not right, doctor?' he asked anxiously. Ellis glanced round to see that the door was closed and cleared his throat. "'Mr. Schwartz,' he said in low tones, "'I have come to see you about a very unpleasant business.' The German turned paler even than he was, and his hand shook as he tried to light a cigar. "'Ach, is that so?' "'It is about Moxton's murder.' "'Well, well, what about the murder?' queried Schwartz, impatiently. "'I should rather put that question to you, Schwartz. Why was Moxton murdered, or rather, why was he got out of the way?' Instead of answering his question, Schwartz, in a tremor of nervous excitement, rose and locked the door. "'Can you speak German?' he asked in his own tongue, on returning to his seat. "'A little. I can speak it slowly.' "'Then put your questions in that language,' said Schwartz, savagely. "'I can see that you have come to accuse me of being mixed up in this crime. "'Was it for this purpose you called at my house?' "'You forget. I called at your request to see Miss Garrett.' Schwartz sighed. "'Ah, the little Hilda,' he said in English. Then, slipping back into his own tongue, he demanded what Ellis wished to know. "'I wish to know if you can tell me the reason Moxton was murdered,' said Ellis, slowly in German. "'No, I cannot. I know nothing about it.' "'Then I must tell you, that is, I must refresh your memory. "'Moxton was murdered by a man who wished to obtain possession of a forged bill.' "'The German bit his cigar through, and a portion fell on the floor. "'I know nothing of any forged bill,' he said angrily. "'That bill,' resumed Ellis calmly, "'was placed by Moxton in a red pocket-book.' "'Here Schwartz started and groaned. Zirknitz saw him put it there. When the clothes of the corpse were examined, that pocket-book was missing. And strange to say, Mr. Schwartz, it was found to-day in your desk at Gatta Cottage. In my desk? gasped the man. Who, who found it there? Miss Gordon. For a jest, Miss Garrett opened all the drawers of your desk because you were foolish enough to leave your keys behind. Miss Gordon closed them again. In the lowest drawer she saw and recognized the pocket-book of her brother-in-law. 
that book is now in her possession or rather in mine as she gave it to me there was silence for a few moments and schwartz breathed heavily what do you want me to do he said sullenly confess your guilt and if i do what then then you must write out and sign a confession as to how you killed edgar moxton and why to hang myself i suppose said schwartz who was growing alarmingly red in the face no miss gordon is too much indebted to you to wish for your death write the confession and then fly from england thus mrs moxton will be exonerated and you will be safe ach it is good of janet said schwartz thickly it is it is ah ah he tried to rise from his seat but suddenly gave a choking cry and fell back purple in the face with staring eyes and foam on his lips ellis rapidly unloosened the old man's cravat tore off his collar and threw open the door come here someone he cried herr schwartz is in a fit end of chapter twenty three read by don w jenkins rancho san diego california